been teaching us through this curriculum on how to stay current with the Spirit of God. And you've been teaching us specifically on seasons of in our lives and seasons of time. So Lord, I pray and ask you to help us this morning to see what season we're in in our life and to help us to see how we're to walk that out, how we're to deal with it, how we're to pray, manifest, go, flow, stay, stop, whatever. Lord, you help us. Father, I pray that we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what you're saying. And Lord, I ask you to anoint me as the pastor and teacher to effectively communicate the truths of your word. We give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is our third lesson called uh, The Unchanging God of Seasons. And this lesson, we want to focus on the seasons of your life. If you remember the first service, we proved how God is a God of seasons. He doesn't change, but seasons do. And if you know what season you're in, then you can adapt and adopt and and go. We've talked about how basically you don't dress the same year round because seasons change. Yet you're still alive and you're still doing okay. And spiritually, there are seasons. Uh, Paul talked about that. We'll see that here in in the end of this curriculum out of Acts chapter 20, I believe. But what we need to understand is that there's seasons. And last week we talked about different seasons the Bible spells out specifically which are, you know, seasons of tests and trials, seasons of prayer, seasons of fasting. There are seasons uh, of giving, seasons of sowing, seasons of reaping. Uh, There's even seasons of worship. I didn't add this. I just amended the curriculum. But Jesus said, the time cometh and now is. That's a season. We're still in that season when the true worshipers must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And so we're trying to answer the question, how do we stay current with God? Because it's one thing to walk with God. It's another thing to know God. But you got to know God in the season that you're in. Otherwise, what happens if it's fall in the, in the spirit realm and you're acting like it's wintertime? Something's not going to work for you. So that's what we've been trying to answer. And hopefully through the curriculum, you're starting to gather some truths and the Lord's able to minister to you. One of the reasons we're teaching this, number one, somebody asked me to write a curriculum on it. But number two, it's one of the strongest things I ever heard Dr. Sumrall say, not in person, but in a book. He said, we've got to stay current with God. And, he's, and before he died, he said, I've always prayed, Lord, whatever you do next, don't do it without me. Let me stay in the perfect center of your will and let me stay current with what you're doing in my life and in the world. So we need to understand these seasons. I think we had kind of, and I think we've assessed this so far, we kind of got the idea that things just stay the same. And so when things are supposed to stay the same, but I'm having a rough week, what's wrong with me? Nothing. You're just under a season of attack. Or, you know what, I was doing great for a season and now things seem to dry up. Hey, that's all right. There's a season where God emphasized famine in the Bible. And he told the prophet where to go to pass out the famine. And there was a God-ordained three and a half years of famine, drought. And then there was a God-ordained season of rain. Even in the days of Joseph, Joseph interpreted the dream and says, God has shown you, Pharaoh, what he's about to do, which is send a drought and a famine. What? It's what Joseph said. God has shown you what he intends to do. And there was seven years of drought and famine. That's a season. But before that, there were seven years of prosperity. So they didn't do anything wrong to have a drought or a famine. It was just going to happen anyway. And you probably haven't done anything wrong to have drought spiritually or famine spiritually or a rough season. We know that the word comes and then the devil comes immediately for the word's sake. 
So if we can recognize the season that we're in, we'll really take a lot of condemnation and pressure off of ourselves and realize, I'm not doing anything wrong. There's a drought in my life because I'm doing everything right. And in the midst of that drought, God will still lead me to the brook Cherith, and he'll still command birds to feed me. And then he'll send me to a widow's house and he'll do miracles again and he'll do miracles again. And it won't be as easy as it was, but even the hard times won't stay. So I think this can encourage us and at the same time keep us current with God. Because the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. You know, I could completely ruin this Sunday school right now if all of a sudden I said, let's lay hands on the sick. And if it isn't what the Spirit of God is emphasizing or saying or doing, we'll kill the Sunday school and there won't be any anointing for healing. Is laying hands on the sick wrong? No. Is it right? Yes. Is it the right thing right now? No. And we have to learn to discern these times and seasons because the right thing at the wrong time is still wrong. And you can squeeze it and try to make it fit and try to justify it, but it'll never be right. My friend Stephen and April here with us. Stephen has had a heart to do missionary work ever since I've known him, which is going on 10 years. And they're just now about to do that. But it's been in his heart probably for 20 years, I'd say. Almost 20 years. Was it the right thing 20 years ago? Yeah. Was it the right time 20 years ago? No. Could you killed yourself doing it? Absolutely. But now they're in the proper season for what God called him to do and his wife to do from the foundation of the earth. Even remember Jesus Christ spent 30 years preparing for three and a half years of ministry and didn't start till it was time. And even the Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent forth a man born of a virgin, born under the law, that he might redeem us from the curse of the law. So we have to understand times and seasons to know how to cooperate and flow with God. You know, if God says minister on healing, then I'm going to have my heart set to minister on healing. And he's going to speak to me about laying hands on people. He's not going to speak to me about rebuking you for your sin. He's going to speak to me about healing. And so we can understand these things and better cooperate with God and not get the right thing at the wrong time and ruin the will of God. So let's look at our curriculum here. There's my exhortation. God is a God of seasons. Though life changes as it passes through seasons, it is still life. In the natural, creation adapts and flows with the season at hand. Birds migrate in the winter, insects burrow, flowers pollinate in the spring. Some animals gain or shed their fur depending on the season at hand. And it seems as though every living thing knows how to recognize and adapt to its current season except for the Christian. We must no longer be ignorant of the spiritual seasons we find ourselves in if we are going to thrive in these last days. First Chronicles 12.32, we had that in another curriculum, but it's worth repeating. It says, And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. We, in the modern church, in the church age, we need to be as the men of Issachar, which was part of the Israelite camp. We need to be men who recognize the times that we're in, and if we can recognize the times that we're in and have an understanding, then it says they know what to do. If it's a season when the house is on fire, you don't go dig a garden. You put the fire out. If it's a season of seeding the yard, you don't go take a vacation. You seed the yard. If it's a season to remodel the house, you know, you, you don't go dig a pool. You've got to know and understand, not just know, but understand the season that you're in so you can know what to do. Just because you know it's winter doesn't mean you understand winter. But once you understand winter, then you know what to do. I just had to ask Mr. Marlin to come help me with my yard because I've burned some grass in it and 
It's not greening enough. And so I went to Mr. Marlin to get some understanding. Marlin, how do I make my grass grow? And he said, basically, Pastor, you need to wait till October now and seed it in October. You're basically, you don't have a shot at it now, basically is what he said. So now that I have an understanding of the season I'm in, which is not a grass growing season, I'm still tempted to try. Come October, I'm really going to get the seed out and fertilize it because I want a green yard. But see, if I didn't have understanding, I would be sowing seed when it's 20 degrees outside, when it's 120 degrees outside, when it's a monsoon, when it's a drought. And somewhere I'll start spreading, sprouting grass. I'm like, now what worked and what didn't? And it would take me a lot longer to develop understanding had I not just gone to, gone to somebody who had developed the understanding already. So we need to be people of understanding understanding the time and the season we're in so then we know what to do. This ought to make it really easy because one of the things Dr. Summerall said is, he said, I have never spent one day out of the will of God. That is quite a bold statement that I've never spent one day outside the will of God. Did he sin? Sure. But you can sin and spend the day in the will of God because what's the will of God when you sin? Repent, get back in the word, get back in the saddle, get back on the horse, Pray, read your Bible, go back to church. And just because you sin doesn't mean you have to spend a day outside the will of God, but you spend two days in sin, three days, now you start to drift outside the will of God. Our heart for you is that you live every day of your life in the perfect will of God so that you can fulfill the call of God on your life. And when you get to heaven one day, which is quickly approaching for all of us, you'll hear the master say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we're shooting for. If you don't know the times, you won't know what to do. Look at our next part, spiritual seasons. Every Christian's life has many seasons. The Bible uses several different terms to spell out these different stages or seasons of Christian's life. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to help us navigate those seasons and successfully pass on to the next phase of our Christian walk. You need to have an understanding of these seasons so you will know what to do while you are in them. Here's where I'm going to start to help you locate where you are spiritually. If you realize where you're at spiritually, what at season, then you won't think more highly of yourself than you should. There's nothing worse than a 23-year-old thinking they're the, next, they're the current Apostle Paul. No, you're a 23-year-old. You're a twit. You don't know much spiritually. It takes time. There's not, we, some of us who are older folks around here know that there was one time there was a girl that came in and she tried to tell our previous pastor, I am the next great prophetess. I am like this prophetess times four. She didn't even recognize what season she's in. I'm about to give you basically biblically four seasons of your Christian life. And we're going to show you where you're at. And you can use these, this checklist to kind of locate yourself. If you have certain behavior, you're a babe. If you have certain behavior, you're a little child. If you have certain behavior, you're a young man. If you have certain behavior, you're a father. I'm going to help you locate where you are spiritually so that you'll know where you are, so you'll know what to do, so you can advance to the next season because nobody wants to remain a babe in Christ forever. That's, that's what we call a bottle-sucking baby. Now the Bible says that desire the sincere milk of the Word, but you know what? I'm a grown man. I eat meat and I still drink milk, but I don't just drink milk solely. I chase meat down with it. And so you can drink milk as a Christian being a father in the faith. So we want to look at this, and this might be a little convicting because you might realize you're not as spiritual as you think you are, but that's a good thing. It's always good to realize, you know what? I'm not as good as I thought I was because now you can go back and fix it and fix your flaws. And every one of us has flaws and every one of us needs to fix them so we can get better 
to glorify Jesus. There's nothing worse than somebody that thinks they've already arrived. And even Paul writing in the Philippians near the end of his life, that's one of his last epistles, he said, not as though I think I've already attained, neither have already apprehended, but I press on that I might apprehend that which has apprehended me. Right before that, he said, I just want to know him. Paul, don't you already know him? Not according to Paul. I just want to know him and the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection being made conformable unto his death. That's all Paul wanted to know at the end of his life. So let's look at these spiritual seasons and let's convict the fire out of you. You want to? Good. Look at 1 John 2, 13. This is where we're going to get a lot of our scriptures. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes. 1 Timothy 3, 6. Not a novice or newly planted, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. So those are some of our text verses here. But notice I've underlined some different names for Christians. Novices and babes, little children, young men, and fathers. What I'm going to present to you is basically four seasons of Christian maturity. Babes, that doesn't mean a good-looking girl. We could say babies. Little children, young men, and adults. And if you can realize where you're at, you can figure out how to move on. Because quite honestly, there's certain things you don't do as a babe, and there's certain things you never do as a father. And there's certain things you can get away with as a babe that you won't be able to get, get away with as a little child that you won't be able to get away with as a young man, that if you do as a father, you're toast. And this will help us be led by the Holy Ghost because here's the thing we'll jump to ahead. If you venture yourself a father in the faith, the Spirit of God will never give you permission to be a wine-bibber. He will never give you permission to peep at porn. He will never give you permission to slander. And yet we have so-called fathers in the faith that says the Lord told me to. You're not hearing from God. You are not current with the Spirit of God. This gets back to, we have a more sure word of prophecy, the Bible, that we do well, that we give heed to, as into a light that shines in a dark day, and a day star, and you know, basically the sun rising. So I'm gonna start showing you now the qualifications of babies, little children, young men and fathers, and you'll be able to locate where you're at. And let me also point out, you can regress if you want to, and we'll show you scriptures for that. In these few scriptures, we see some terms that help us to see the different seasons of Christian's life, of a Christian's life. Look at number one is a babe. A babe is a newly planted one or a novice, one who just got saved. But here's some descriptions and use them to examine yourself. The Bible says, so let a man examine himself, let a woman. So we can use these to examine ourselves to see where we're at spiritually. Here are some of the qualifications or qualities that we can find in spiritual babies. And I would add, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can be 92 years old and be a spiritual babe. You can be 15 years old and be a spiritual babe. You can be 48 and be a spiritual babe. Look at some qualifications. They require milk, which is simple teaching, because they are unskillful or basically have no experience in the Word of God. That would make sense. They just got born again. They don't know Habakkuk from Malachi. And they don't know Job from Psalms. So they're unskillful, inexperienced. Look at our next part. And let me add this. You're to not remain inexperienced. We preach around here, pray, read your Bible, go to church. You ought to be reading your Bible every day. You ought to be praying every day, asking God questions every day. You ought to have God time every day. You have belly time every day. Don't make your belly your God. Make God your God. Spend time with God. 
Skip a meal. Your waistline will thank you for it. And so will your clothing budget. You women know you got a fat closet and a skinny closet. Be nice to have one closet. Actually, I just put on a pair of jeans the other day and I said, honey, these are my fat jeans. Because these things are way too big for me. I was almost embarrassed to wear them because they were 34, 34s. I thought, Lord, how fat was I when I bought these? Man, never fit into them again. So feed your spirit, man, and your soul, not just your belly. And like I say, it's amazing we never neglect our stomach. Even at midnight, we'll get up, go sneak some cake, have a thing of ice cream, Neapolitan, only the strawberry side, because that's the best part of Neapolitan. <laughs> and then we'll go back to bed. But how many times have we ever got up and said, you know what? I haven't spent time with God today. And go pray, talk to the Lord, read a psalm. Say, so we just don't do it. Because sometimes our God is our belly. All right, babes, must be spoken to differently than mature believers. And I've given you scripture references. And this is the truth. I tell you as a leader in the body of Christ, as a pastor, babies we have to talk to handle differently. You can't talk to a natural baby like you do a cadet in the Marines. You stupid worm! <laughs> the baby just starts crying, and some do, so do some 18-year-olds. <laughs> So you have to talk to babies differently. You have to simplify things for them. You have to, you have to spoon feed them. You have to, in a sense, breastfeed them. You have to give them milk. You, you can't go on to deep things with them because they, they still have to realize, you mean I have to come to church every service? No, you don't have to. You get to. You mean I need to tithe? Yeah, you need to tithe. You mean I should forgive? Yeah. Yeah, forgive. So you even change, change the tone of voice when you're dealing with babies. And if we have to change our tone of voice with you, that might tell off on kind of where you're at spiritually, baby. So that's why we want to grow up. Look at this. According to 1 Corinthians 3, 3, they're carnal. That just means they're naturally minded. They're envious. Have you got any jealousy in you? You have the qualities of a baby. Are you strife filled? Do you go around causing strife? According to 1 Corinthians 3, 3, those are the qualifications of a baby. You go, you make, you're divisive, you make divisions, uh, you cause splits, you sow discord. That's the behavior of a baby. See, now we're helping you to locate where you're at because now you'll start to get convicted and say, Lord, I've got that in my life. I'm jealous. I don't want to be a baby. Oh, welcome to the realm of staying current with God. God will not let you stay a baby. You don't let your children stay babies. Like that one woman told me, I don't raise children, I raise adults. If I raise children, they stay children. But if I raise adults, they become adults. It's just semantics. It's a play on words, but I like the heart behind it. Look at this. Walk, they walk according to the ways of man and not God. Well, that would make sense. They just came out of the ways of man. But here's the thing. Some Christians have been born again 25 years, and they still walk according to the ways of man. Like what? Well, they steal the tithe. They still come to church at their convenience. There's no faithfulness in them. That's the ways of man. But according to the verse there, that they still walk carnally according to the ways of man and not God. So if you're doing this, you're a babe. You're a baby. You're immature. You need to grow up. Look at our next part. They're given over to pride and to falls or to sin easily. That's about a novice. It says don't make a novice a bishop lest he fall into sin and temptation and pride of the devil and he falls. So if you're given over to pride, you know, pride is a baby attribute. Now, we're always going to be chasing pride out of our lives. It's, it's there. It's in our sin nature. But 
It ought to be getting less and less and less and less and less. And you ought to be able to get where you can detect pride before anybody else can. Father, forgive me. I just said that. And I know I was in pride when I said that. Ah, Lord, forgive me. And see, what happens is as you mature, you see the pride before anybody else does. What's dangerous is when we all see your pride and you don't. You're a baby. You're immature. You walk in and you think you're the greatest thing and the greatest gift and the greatest this and the greatest that. And we think you're a big fat idiot. And you don't see you're a big fat idiot. You still think you're the gift. <laughs> you're a baby that's immature. How about this? Uh, they're also called a novice or a newbie, or we could say newly planted. So those are some qualifications of a baby. Let us not be babies. But if you are a baby, God's going to deal with you differently. He's going to answer all your prayers instantly because you need it. He's going to give you whatever your little heart whines for because you're a baby. He's going to be there for you. The pastor's going to carry you and burp you and change your diaper. And we're just going to be there for you because you're a baby. But quite honestly, in this church, if you've been here five, six, eight, ten months, you're not a baby anymore. At least you shouldn't be because we fast track mature you. In six months around here, you should have enough teaching in you. You can go hold your own Bible study because we give you the curriculum. So honestly, if you're in here this morning and you got any of these qualities consuming your life, you might be spiritually retarded. And you have 20 years of spiritual life, but you have six months of spiritual growth. And that's why we call mental retardation. They have the body of a 35-year-old, but the mind of a two-year-old. And if you've been in the body of Christ 35 years, but you're struggling with any of those, I'm not talking about, you know, pride. We all have pride, but I'm not talking about you're struggling with it. You can recognize it. Lord, I, that was in pride. Forgive me. I knew it. I'm, in, I'm toast. I know as soon as pastor gets a hold of me, I'm in trouble. Forgive me. You saw it coming. That's not a baby. That's, that's spiritual recognition. And, and you're, not, you're not carnal. You're not envious. You're not full of jealousy. And every, every one of us has to fight that. But I'm talking about it's still driving your life. Envious, jealous. You, you, you know, you see a man talking to your wife and you get jealous. You see a woman talking to your man and you get jealous. You are a baby. You are so immature. You're insecure. And a walk with Jesus Christ will get you out of insecurity. And we ought to all grow up and get over this stuff. So if you're struggling with any of those, like struggling, you're eat up with it. It's consuming your life and driving you. We have isolated you. We've located you. You're a babe. Now you can hear from God clearly. If you're as a baby, he's not going to tell you to go start a church. He's not going to tell you to get up in a service and rebuke me. He's going to tell you to go home and quit pooping on yourself. He's going to go home and tell you to get rid of all the baby toys. He's going to tell you to go home and grow up and find 15 scriptures that cure your jealousy and 15 scriptures that cure your carnality and 15 scriptures that deal with pride. That's what he's going to do. And, and I won't have to burp you and have you in my office 20 times a month. Honestly, if you have to come to my office a lot, you're a baby. And it's okay when you should be a baby. It's okay if you've only been saved six months, eight months, maybe a year at most. But beyond that, you are spiritually retarded. And I don't mean that as a, a, a mock. I don't mean that as a put down. I mean that as to help you find the season that you're in. And you need to get with the Spirit of God and the Bible to get your answers and to grow up. Because as I tell you, you will not ride my coattails around here. I'll, I'll carry, they're for the babies. But after eight months, I'm pulling it out from underneath you and you're like mama bird kicks the birds out of the nest and they either fly or they go splat and the cat eats them or your adversary, the lion. Amen. Let's look at point two, little children. 
What do little children do? They struggle with idols. 1 John 5, 21. The last verse in 1 John says, flee idol idols or don't, don't fight the idols. And he says, little children. He never says, young men, flee the idols. He never says, father, flee the idols. He says, little children, because little children are just old enough to know some things and still yet immature enough to worship men or worship stuff or worship hobbies or worship a crush or worship a boyfriend or worship a girlfriend or still get pulled out of church because in movies playing, that's a little child. Uh, you know, we, we, we fandango tickets. We get to the theater five hours early for premiere night, but we can't come to church on time. You're a little child. Flee idol. You're still struggling with idols. You know to leave for the football game five hours early so you can tailgate. Get your seats, get your coney dog, your hot dog, your funnel cake, your pig's ear, your Coca-Cola, whatever. Elephant ear is what I was thinking, but pig's ear came out. <laughs> Yet, you can't come to church on time and you skip pre-service prayer and you skip corporate prayer because you got better things to do. We've, you're just a little child. You're not spiritual yet. You're still growing. Sometimes you poop your pants. Sometimes you can go three days without wetting yourself. Sometimes you know the crayon goes in the box, not in your nose, but sometimes you forget that and it goes up your nose. <laughs> See, idolatry isn't just worshiping a Buddha statue or Shiva. Idolatry is chasing a boy, chasing a girl, skipping church to go see a movie, skipping church because you don't feel like going. You're serving yourself. You're an idol. Getting your feelings hurt and staying offended. That's you worshiping yourself. Worshiping a pastor, worshiping me, worshiping Brother Hagen, Dr. Sumrall, Pastor Vaughn, that's idolatry. You're still a little child. You're immature. Because 1 John says, flee idols, little children. He didn't say young men, because young men have got the victory over this. Young men, which we haven't gotten to yet, they know who to serve. They serve Jesus. They know who to worship. They worship Jesus. Just so you know, I'll pat myself on the back. I had to let go of playoff tickets this week. You know why? Because it's on Sundays and Wednesdays. I planned for playoff tickets months ago. I said, no, I'm the pastor. Can't go. But you know what? I did that when I was serving other pastors. Canceled stuff for church. We're not against stuff, but man, I'm not going to skip church to go see something stupid. That's idolatry. And if you're still struggling with that, we're not going to beat you up, kick you in the tail and throw you out on the curb on your ear. I'm just locating you. You're not a young man yet. And maybe the reason you have failed is because you thought you were you ventured that you were, but in reality, you were still a little child. And you know, when a little child tries to act like an army soldier, he'll fail every time. And when a little girl tries to act like mommy, she'll fail every time. And when, I don't know, a yellow belt in the martial arts tries to take on a black belt, he'll fail every time because he's thinking more of himself than he ought. Nothing wrong with you in, if you're in this season, we're trying to help you locate yourself, but now that you know you're there, you can hear what God's really saying to you because God's never going to speak to a little child to rebuke me. And he's never going to speak to a little child to steal a service. And he's never going to speak to a little child to start a ministry. And he's never going to speak to a little child uh, to do all sorts of stuff. And if you know where you're at, you know the responsibilities of a little child. And when you're a little child, you're still, your number one responsibility is still your walk with Jesus Christ and getting rid of the idols. Quit chasing the boys. Quit chasing the girls. Quit chasing the sports. Quit chasing some dead preacher. Get the idolatry out of your heart. It's like some of these preachers that, you know, they undo their shirt, 
They got the gold chain hung up in their pet possum. They got earrings pierced. That's idolatry. They fancy themselves some spiritual father, but they look like a flaming homo with their ears pierced and frosted hair. They're idols themselves and they're on TBN thinking they're a father in the faith. No, you're a fruitcake and you're yet a little child because you have to flee youthful lust. Look at this next thing. They lack understanding. And that's all right if you're, you're a little child and you're lacking understanding. You, you, we're always getting more understanding. Proverbs tells us, in all you're getting, get understanding, get wisdom. So it's all right. We're just helping to locate you now. Because if you have fancied yourself a mother in the faith or a father in the faith or a young man and you're starting to see, whoa, whoa I've got both of those in my life, you're not. This is going to help you because you're like, whoa, I need to slow down and work on my weaknesses. I don't need to be stripping an engine yet. I need to learn what an engine is first. There's nothing worse than getting out way over your head. I remember years ago, I was, I was 11 or 12, and I had played the trumpet for like a year and a half in middle school band, which means I knew nothing. And I went with mom and dad or mama to Ridgecrest in North Carolina to the Baptist Convention Center, and they had like an impromptu orchestra where you practice for four or five days and then you have a concert at the end of the convention week. And so I'm in there 12 years old and I'm sitting next to like 35-year-old trumpeter and a 55-year-old trumpeter and a collegiate trumpeter and I can't even hang with them. And I'm like, I am way out of my league here. I don't even know what I was thinking, thinking because I've tooted a horn for a year and a half of middle school, I can run with these folks that lead praise and worship at Baptist churches for 20 years. And so I think I went once or twice that week and then I never went back. I was like, I'm over my head. And maybe you can see you're over your head. You're trying to act more mature than you are and you're just not. You don't have the goods yet. It's all right. No big deal. Recognize where you're at and fix it. And don't stay a little child. Come on up. Become a young man. What's our next thing? They have immature thinking, reasoning, and speech. Paul said that there in Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I thought as a child. I spake as a child. I reasoned as a child. And don't you know children have some pretty goofy reasoning? I mean, just, just goofy reasoning. And sometimes children who are Christians or Christian children, little children in Christ, they have some goofy reasoning. They don't understand why we do certain things. They don't understand why they have to come to church every time the door is open. They don't understand why they should pray every day. They don't understand why they should be consistent. They don't understand why they should flee the youthful us. They don't understand why they're not mature enough to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or why they're not mature enough to get married. They don't understand that. They're still little children. And that's okay if you're supposed to be a little child. We don't expect nine-year-olds to understand college calculus. And when they do, we call them, you know, a savant. We call them Einstein. And it's a rarity. But so little children, they lack understanding. They lack reasoning. They lack speech. You know, if you cuss, you're a little child. Because you, you're speaking as an immature little kid. You got potty mouth? You're, you're not a young man. You like to cuss, tell dirty jokes? You're, you're not a young man in Christ. You're still a little child. Tell dirty jokes, gossip, slander. I'm still a little child. God's not going to tell you to lead the body of Christ in any form or fashion. He's going to tell you, hey, potty mouth, here's some toilet paper and some Tylex and some Windex and some 409 and some Drano. Clean that thing up. And once your heart gets pure, you'll stop talking like a, a prisoner or a thug hoodlum. So now we've got you located some more. You, you cuss a lot, tell dirty jokes. You're, you're not mature. But nowadays we have preachers that cuss from the pulpit for shock value. In fact, Dr. Barclay told us one man dropped the F-bomb in the pulpit just to shock them. Somebody should have run up and decked him in the face. 
said, does that shock you enough? And then I'm going home. I'm finding me a new church. I'm transferring my letter of membership. <laughs> you idiot. Cussing, dropping the F-bomb in God's holy pulpit. Tossed to and fro. Ephesians 4.14 says that we henceforth be no more children. Tossed to and fro. You're up today. You're down tomorrow. Oh, it's the best thing ever. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, pastor, I'm on cloud nine. Pastor, I don't even know if there's clouds anymore. Pastor, I'm going to heaven. Pastor, I don't even know if I'm saved. You're a little child. It's all right if you are. We just want to locate you. So you know how to handle this season of tossed to and fro. When you get strong in Christ, the storms come and you just get wet. You don't end up 20 feet over there and 20 feet over there, then 20 feet down, then 20 feet there. You're just there. And you don't know what else to do, so you just sit. That's maturity. And you don't have to make an appointment just because it's raining again. You just move when you're told to move and you sit still, even when scorpions are on you, even when snakes are on you, even when flies are on you, you just sit. And you don't freak out. I was telling, I guess maybe the class yesterday, or maybe it was our care deacons Friday night. I can't remember. And when you have experience, nothing moves you. And I was driving down the road the other day and I heard something buzzing. And I looked back and there was like, I thought it was a yellow jacket on my, my chair in my truck, my seat. And so I freaked out and I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And then it was just a moth that had been cut in half and he was just hanging there and his little uh, thorax was gone, bless his heart. He was hineless, And so he was just like a head with wings going, oh, oh. and I was like, oh God, oh, oh. Oh, I was at a stoplight, thank God, or I might have swerved and lost my truck. So I grabbed him like, oh, it moved me. But now if I was some kind of bug specialist, I'd have said, oh, blah, 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 Ithacus. And I'd have gone, <laughs> or I don't need to save that guy for later. Hadn't seen one that color in a while. No, no, no. I had no experience in that. It freaked me out. I was like, what are you doing? And when you have no experience in Christ and you're a little child, it rains. Oh, my God, it's a storm. No, it's just a drizzle. Oh my God, it's a squall. No, oh my God, it's a typhoon. No, it's just, it's just spring showers. Chill out. So if you're tossed to and fro, little child. Look at this next one. Chase every new kind of doctrine. Here's the pathetic thing about TBN. It keeps the body of Christ in little child stage. It is not a blessing, a benefit, or needed in the body of Christ. It could be. It is not. My opinion, but I believe I'm spot on accurate. Because anybody that feeds on TBN chases every wind of doctrine from every fruitcake who has big hair and a Rolls Royce that you paid for. And they're not even teaching truth anymore, not even the big wigs. All it is is some sham-wow gimmick to get more money out of you, how to get your seat and get the blessing. And folks watch that and they chase winds of doctrine. And whatever goes around, that's the newest thing they're on. Mature, all the mature Christians I know, they don't even watch TBN anymore. And I say this, and I'll say it this morning, we preach Jesus Christ for 2,000 years without television, and we can do it still. If we just get our act together and evangelize, we don't need TBN to evangelize. If we'd be like the early church, we could evangelize Asia Minor in two years. And that was a baby church with small numbers. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that the whole church had evangelized Asia Minor within two years, going door to door. Brother Summer, I would say, if every one of us would win somebody for Jesus, we could wrap this thing up in a year. Because then you'd win somebody, then they'd win somebody, then they'd win somebody. We'd be done in a year. So you're chasing winds of doctrine. You're, ooh, this is shiny. Ooh, that's pretty. Ooh, pastor, they're teaching this over there. Can you teach it? Nope, it's not God. Well, it sounds good. Shut up. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. 
See, children chase every shiny thing. Just like your kids, uh, they got a brand new G.I. Joe and it's cool till Iron Man comes home. And they play with Iron Man till their friend comes over with a transformer, then they don't want that, they want transformer. And sometimes we're that way. We don't wanna keep doing the things we know to do and keep doing the things we know to do and keep doing the things we know to do. A struggle with condemning hearts. There's one. First John 3, little children. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. He didn't say young men. He didn't say fathers. He had to say little children. Little children struggle with the heart of condemnation. Now, this is not to put you down if you struggle with the heart of condemnation. This is to help locate you. Mature people in the faith, they don't get condemned. Or if it tries to get on them, they shrug it off. I sin every day. Just so you know, your pastor sins every day. I don't get condemned. I repent. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. Father, forgive me. Even last night, I had to make a phone call and make something right. Hey, I'm sorry I said something. I want you to forgive me. I didn't mean anything by it. Oh, I didn't think anything of it. Well, I just wanted to clear the air. I just want to make sure. Oh, yeah. I didn't get beat up over. I said, Lord, I got to make this right. But little children, they struggle with it. They go from being condemned to they got the victory. Then the devil trips them up and they get condemned. And they live a life of constant condemnation. And if you do that, we're not putting you down. That would be more condemnation. We've just located you. You're a little child. That's okay. Grow out of it. Don't stay a little child forever. Grow out of it. They struggle with condemning hearts. And 1 John 2, 12 says they need to be reminded that their sins are forgiven. Little children, you are forgiven of your sins is what the verse says. He didn't say young men. They know that. They know it. They both know it and believe it. Fathers, your sins are forgiven. He didn't tell fathers that in there First 1 John. He had to say little children because little children have to be reminded that I made a mess again. I poo-poo. I eat a crayon. Uh, I ate seeds. Will, I, will a watermelon grow in my stomach? No, it's okay. I'm afraid. That's a little child. We, you know, and for me as a pastor, I have to constantly breathe life into you, breathe encouragement in you. And that's okay, we do that. But if this is what you're struggling with, you know where you're at and say, praise God. I thought I was supposed to be a mother in the faith or a father in the faith. I thought I was supposed to be a strong young man. No, you know where you're at. It should take a lot of pressure off of you, but now you got to work on this. So now you know the season that you're in spiritually. You don't have to worry about God telling you to sell all y'all and go to Africa and start a mission and take care of leprous orphans. No, he wants you to work on you and stop beating yourself up all the time. And stop chasing goofy doctrine all the time. That's what he wants. They need to be reminded that their sins are forgiven. You look at young men. Number one, they've overcome the wicked one. So they've got victory in their life. The enemy is not able to trip them up with the little things that kids fall for. They have overcome the wicked one. Now, everybody by faith, according to the word, has overcome the world. But, and you've been given victory, even if you're a babe in Christ, but you've got to learn to walk in it and master it so that you don't get condemned anymore. So that you, you don't have to be encouraged. I know my sins are forgiven. When I sin, Lord, forgive me. Man, that was stupid and I saw it coming. Father, have mercy on me. Let's go study the Bible. I don't need reminding that my sins are forgiven. I'm thankful for it. When somebody preaches, I said, hey, man, thank God. But I don't have to be reminded because my sins are not more real to me than Jesus. I would, if you want to know where I venture myself, I think I'm a young man in Christ. I would not dare call myself a father in Christ at all. I think I'm a young man. I don't know where I fall in the spectrum, but I, that's where I judge myself to be as a young man. Young men have overcome, we could say young women, they've overcome the wicked one and they don't fall for the temptations, tests and trials as easily. They maintain victory longer. And when they wobble, they straighten themselves back up. 
Uh, young men are strong. They, they don't faint in the day of adversity. Young men have the word of God abiding in them. So they've walked in the word. They're full of the word. They, you squeeze them, the word comes out. They can teach the word. They can expound the word. They can win the loss with deep word. They've got the word abiding in them. Just because you're born again doesn't mean the word abides in you. Now, I know we're born again of incorruptible seed of the word of God that lives and abides forever. But that doesn't mean you're feeding on the word of God. You may have more NASCAR in you than you do the word of God. You may have more hockey in you than you do the word of God. You may have more beauty secrets in you than you do the word of God. So, but young men are mature. They've studied the word. They've fed on the word. They're full of the word. And you squeeze them and talk to them and nothing but the word comes out. They are currently exercising their senses to discern good from evil. Hebrews 5 says that strong meat belongs to them that are full age or mature or perfect. I judge that to be a father. And it says that they have, they have past tense exercised. So my judgment, as I teach this, you can argue with me, I don't care, is that young men are currently exercising their senses. They're pretty good at it. They're not perfect, but they're pretty good at it. We had two homosexuals here this weekend. I picked up on it pretty quick. They weren't manifesting devils, but I just walked past one of them. I went, whoa, hmm. And then I saw them again. I was like, yep, yep, those guys are gay. Yeah, ain't no doubt about that. A novice or a little child would just think the best. No, they can't be gay. No, he can't be gay. He's married. Does he walk like a duck? Does he talk like a duck? Does he quack like a duck? Does he lisp like a duck? He's gay. <laughs> Get your senses sharpened a little bit there. Young men are exercising their senses to discern good from evil. And we could say they are becoming the men of Issachar who recognize and have an understanding of the times and they know what to do. Look at fathers, elders, and aged women. I'm lumping these together. Uh, we're not going to split hairs on what elders are. And I'm going to call aged women in Titus 2. I'm going to call that like the equivalent of a father. Aged women, fathers, elders, they have known They've known him who is from the beginning. That means they've walked with God for a long time. Uh, we, know, we all know him, but they have known him. It's a past tense. It's, a, it's an in-depth thing. You could probably, I haven't looked it up, you could probably look at the Greek word, and it's probably going to be epinoso, which means a perfect knowledge through experience, nothing conjectured, nothing reasoned, a knowledge through walking with and knowing. That's probably what the Greek word is going to be. They have, they have, past tense, exercised their senses to discern good from evil. They produce believers through the gospel. That's what Paul said. You have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. And I have begat you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are teachers of younger women. So you older women, as you age, you need to be teaching our younger women. And the fathers labor in word and doctrine. And I see that as they establish doctrine. They're, they're laboring in the word, they're teaching the word, but they're also establishing doctrine. And that's a mature thing. And you have to have a high voice of eleva elevated voice to be able to influence the body of Christ with doctrine. So there's fathers. I don't think anybody in this church is a father in the faith. And if you think you are, you're wrong because I say so. Because I know you, I pastor you, I pray for you, and I correct you. So I don't think anybody in our church is a father. At best, we have young men. And you can be 60 years old and just now reach the young man stage. And you can be 28 and reach the young man stage. So it's not about age at all. It is possible to regress back into previous stages of growth. Hebrews 5:12a says, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. He said, the time has come. You should be teachers, but you are not. You have become. There's a regression there. You can regress if you want to. It's called backsliding. You can go from having a stable Christian life to then, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm up, I'm down, I'm up, I'm down. You want to gossip? You've just gone from being a young man, a young woman to a babe. Grow up. And it shouldn't take you as long. You just repent of being dumb and lazy and get back with it. 
Look at uh, 2 Peter 1.9. But he that lacks these things, previous verse talks about adding to your faith, knowledge, knowledge, wisdom, wisdom, temperance, temperance, faithfulness. Be diligent to add all this. It says, he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. That goes back to young men. They don't have to be encouraged that they're forgiven. Some of you, we have to keep reminding you, and that's okay. That's what we're here to do. But you get to a place where you don't need to be encouraged anymore because you know I'm forgiven. Satan himself could show up and manifest and say, you're not forgiven. A preacher who you trust could look and say, you're not forgiven. And you'd say, you're a liar because my Bible says I am and you're antichrist. So you can regress. You can become and you can forget. That means they once knew. So there was once a level of maturity, but they have forgotten because they didn't diligently stay growing. And because they didn't diligently stay growing, they got blind and they forgot that they were once purged from their old sins. We don't have to, though, regress. Hebrews 10, 39. We are not of them that draw back unto perdition, judgment, condemnation. But we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Paul seasons, real quick here. The life of the apostle Paul teaches us about seasons. His life had several seasons. God was speaking, ministering, and emphasizing different things to Paul in each of these different areas or seasons. His pre-Christ life from approximately age 0 to 30. These ages are approximate because theologians kind of debate on it. So from 0 to 30, he was a heathen. This included his training as a Pharisee and his promotion of the church's persecution. Then he got born again at the age of 30, approximately, on the road to Damascus. And he spent three years in Arabia receiving revelation from Jesus Christ. And I and other, I'm not a theologian, but I and other theologians believe that this is when he went to heaven multiple times to receive of Jesus Christ the gospel of grace. He spent three years in Arabia, so that was a season. He wasn't preaching. He was in Arabia by himself receiving revelation. Galatians tells us that. From his Damascus Road experience until he returned to Damascus from Arabia, Paul spent three years receiving revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this, by my judgment, is when he was a babe to a little child. He's growing in the Word of God. He's, no, he's guiding, getting milk, but he's heading towards meat because he's working out doctrine. Then his days as a servant to the churches, this is all theologians agree on this. This is approximately nine years from the age of about 33 to 42. And this is what I call his little child stage to a young man. He learned to be a servant to the local church. Notice he's 42 years old and he's not a full-time minister yet, according to history and theology. Uh, this was when he was a servant in Antioch, Tarsus, and Jerusalem. This is approximately nine years. This was his season of training in the ministry of helps. He also taught and evangelized when he wasn't running errands. Nine years of helps ministry. We harp on this big time in our helps classes. Fourth stage, his days as a missionary and fledgling apostle. Approximately 10 years from the age of 42 to 52. So we always thought he was just a full-blown apostle going to heaven every third day. That's not accurate. That's goofy. I call this still his young man season. This time season included his two first missionary journeys and a trip to Jerusalem. This lasted from about 44 A.D. until he begins writing his God-breathed epistles in 54 A.D. This is, not, this is all my personal judgment, but I think we can see the heart of it here. I believe when he started writing his epistles is when he was promoted to fatherhood because now he's establishing doctrine for us to read 2,000 years later. So he spent nearly uh, 10 years as a young man in a early stages of ministry. So I call him a father from the time he's 52 to the time of his martyrdom at age 64. And these are his days as an epistle writer and apostle. It is in, it is in his epistles that he begins to really move the church doctrinally, moves ministers geographically because he bossed preachers around all the time. 
and he be, uh, and moved Asia Minor, at Minor spiritually. This season began in about 54 A.D. and lasted until the time of his martyrdom in 68 A.D. Nero cut his head off. Uh, this includes his last ministry, missionary journey, and his prison time in Rome. He was in prison twice in Rome. His total full-time ministry would have lasted only about 25 years. Brother Hagen was in ministry like 70. So the Apostle Paul had a relatively short ministry. We think he was an apostle for like the time he was 15 to the time he was 190. But that's just not biblical. It's not accurate when we look at it. He was only a full-time ministry, according to theology, maybe 25 years. And he did a lot. But he said, by the grace of God, I've outworked them all. All the chief apostles. I'm the least, he said, by the Spirit of God. And I've outworked them all. And he put him to shame. And the other thing I found studying Paul, he was wanting to die like every day. He said, what are you talking about? I want to die. And he, he had almost like a death wish. He was scared of nothing. And I believe it's because he went to heaven and couldn't wait to go back there again. And you see in all of his writings, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. Can't wait to go. But I guess I should stick around for you. But I can't wait to die. And I'm thinking, I don't want to die. I want to stick around. I want to see the rapture. I don't want to die. And God gave him what he wanted. Cut his head off. Paul in Ephesus this is the scripture, Acts 20, 18. And when they had come to him, he said unto them, Paul speaking, you know from the first days that I came into Asia, after what manner I had been with you at all seasons, space of time. In this passage, Paul was addressing all the elders from Ephesus and he begins to talk about being with them at all seasons, not weather seasons, but a space of time. His time in Ephesus would be considered a season. It differed from his seasons at Thessalonica, Rome, Antioch, etc. These different seasons are then listed in Acts 20, 19 through 22. And they include seasons of tears, seasons of temptations, ministering to the saints, ministering to the Greeks, which would be evangelism, ministering to the Jews, evangelism, ministering publicly, ministering house to house. And then he concludes by saying, and now behold, I go into Jerusalem, which was the beginning of another season. All of our lives have seasons and seasonal changes as we mature in Christ. We season as we grow in season. God begins to deal with us differently as he is able to trust us. God trust is a sacred thing. May we desire it, earn it, and grow through the seasons of our life.